the very first thing with raising any form of money, particularly running for a building, but any sort of money, is vision. Uh, people won't give, mo give money unless they see some grand, effectively God-honouring plan to do something bigger and better and greater than themselves. Uh, and I mean, I haven't got it on the sheet, but if you want to write it down, the most critical thing you could write down is money follows vision. It's, it's that simple. There's other things as well, but money follows vision. I always remember John Maxwell says, how do you raise a million dollars? And his answer is, you have a million dollar vision. Uh, um, so so that, that's basically where you've got to go. So you've got to be able to tell people, why are we doing this? You know, what, how does this building, or, or it might be, what I'm talking about is, is raising big bucks, not just your average day bucks. And it could be big bucks, and mainly that's for a building, but it could be for a, a big mission project. It could be for a range of things. But if I, I talk about buildings, uh, that will be... Thanks, Mike. That will be the... the if I just use the word building, it's because that's mainly where I'm coming from. So you've got to be telling people, why are you doing it? Um, and it's got to be a God-honouring thing. It's got to be linked to a God-honouring future. It's got to be talking about people's lives being transformed. So even if you're raising money for a, for a kitchen, you've got to show them how this kitchen fits in with, raising, with, with winning people to Christ. You know, it, 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 the kitchen presumably has a fellowship activity and you're binding people into the church through that fe fellowship activity. But you've got, so you've got to talk about that to them. They've got, to, they've got to see it. And it involves, and I've got people, people, people there. You've got to say the people aspect of any building fund until you are so sick of saying it that you will just about die if you hear it one more time. And then... And then somebody might start to have heard it. Because uh, whatever else you say, uh, um, as soon as you start talking about raising money for a building, it does, people somehow start to think you're on about raising um, your own private temple. This is what you're really on about, building a temple to you. And, and I used to say, say to people at, uh, at Fig Tree, which was the church I was at, you know, no minister goes into the, into the ministry to build buildings. We just don't do that. That's not on our agenda. But unless you show them how the building serves the need of the gospel and serves to change people's lives, you won't have them. That's absolutely key. Um, and so I'll show you some examples of that in a moment. All right. Um, where are we? Okay. Oh. I didn't even press my own thing. Oh, just to give you an idea, in the Bible there are a number of biblical visionary projects. We don't normally think about them in those terms because we're thinking in, in Scripture of the broader theological uh, sweep of the Scripture. But uh, when Moses raises money for the temple or raises stuff for the temple, you know, you, you've, got a, you've, got a, you've got a basically some sort of a bricks and mortar, well, it's not bricks and mortar if you know, but that sort of project uh, that Moses has got to raise resources for. And looking at the way he does it and the language he uses is a very, very helpful thing. <clears throat> uh, David raises money for the temple. Now, that raising money for the temple happens in 1 Chronicles 29, which is not generally the go-to book 
that we do our quiet times on. You know, if people want to skip a book, they skip one Chronicles. Uh, but there's a magnificent visionary project that goes all the way through uh, one Chronicles and uh, David raising money for the temple in is very use- useful. Paul has a missionary collection in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 and we are more familiar with that and we get principle from that and, that, and that's, that's very good. Uh, interestingly enough, we hear a lot about Nehemiah building the wall but in Nehemiah 7 uh, and verses 70 to 72, you'll just see a little way in which he obviously had to raise some money for it. It's just buried there in, in this, this long list of genealogical stuff and buried in Nehemiah 7, 70 to 72 is just some little principles about how Nehemiah obviously raised some money. Uh, but where I'm coming from and where I researched a lot of this some years ago, I found that Many people who raised money for, for buildings, and um, when I said I researched it, I went in a church crawl to the United States where the Yanks are always um, much more cluey about practical stuff, whatever their theological background is. Sometimes their theology is hairy, but they're very practical and they understand that. <clears throat> their things were often based around uh, David raising money for the temple. Um, that was their sort of blueprint um, and because it's, this is a, often building projects rather than missionary projects, um, I've taken the stuff that I've written and, and we worked on has come out of that too. But effectively, you see David and the temple is a missionary vision. It's a visionary type project. You know, David desires to build a house and you know that God says you're not going to build a house, I'm going to build you a house. There's all of that sort of dynamic. <clears throat> David then prepares a lot of um, for the building. He prepares the site, ministry, material, personnel, successor. He raises the money, and Solomon completes the task. So what I'm trying to say to you here is that the raising of money in 1 Chronicles 29 is embedded in a big-picture visionary project, even within Scripture itself. And as I say, you probably you may well know it. Um, but it wasn't the book when I was in college. I, I was in more college, 76 to 79. It wasn't the book we were racing to do, you know. It was, we were doing other stuff. Um, so, so you tend to miss it. So in 1 Chronicles 29, and I'm, I'm, I'm giving you this because um, really this is, this is the heart of where, where we're going to do, and ma- many of the campaigns are built around this sort of thing, David, as the leader, leads by example. <clears throat> okay, that's what, he says, I am going to give you some money out of the royal treasury. Okay? And then he says, above that, I'm going to cough up out of my own pocket. Uh, <clears throat> then the community leaders, they willingly give. <clears throat> and it then says, the people rejoice. I can't imagine that the people didn't give. It didn't actually say that they gave, but certainly the people <clears throat> rejoiced about it. And I suspect that they gave as well. In a magnificent prayer, David acknowledges God's blessing. It's one of the great prayers in Scripture, and you just get so rich theologically. It, you know, it's just wonderful to preach on. <clears throat> and then there's a time of great celebration. So, you know, you've got an example, you've got an appeal, <clears throat> you've got a celebration, you've got a vision, all of that. And, and, and so when you're raising money for a building, <clears throat> um, or in fact any sort of money really, it, those elements come into it. Um, Now, the next thing I would want to say um, is that this really, really uh, is is based on leadership. Um, 
you if you if you've got a project you can't outsource it you've got to be the lead guy on it <clears throat> you've got to be to use bill hybel's phrase the chief resource raiser um, if you are not in it uh, it won't happen i remember a very good friend of mine um, was in college in the early 80s or he was, uh, lives in another city not in brisbane remember him saying to me once he said oh, i don't worry about the money he said Wardens worry about the money. I said, Bolhoney, wardens don't raise money. Wardens count money. Mm-hmm. But you don't expect your parishioners to understand what to do. You, know, you may well be very, very fortunate to have somebody in your congregation who's all over this and wants to lead the charge, but you'll be about 0.0001% of, of what's going on. Uh, so what I'm saying is it, to do this, requires your investment and your courage and your leadership. And as I was thinking about this, and my wife said to me this the other day, um, going to a group of church planters, they're sort of hungry guys. You know, they're probably going to be the sort of people who will do this. So I'm expecting in, in a room like this, you guys should be able to do it. If I go out to a general group of clergy, my rule of thumb is one in five. Okay. Uh, because it, ju- it just takes people needing to step up to the mark and do it. You need to be absolutely committed because these are the things that stop you going ahead. Um, you get to a certain level in church life and your ministry simply doesn't grow because of property things. So you've either got to raise money for property or plant other churches or do something, but whatever it is, it's a big step and it requires money. <clears throat> yep. Sorry, but- do you, want to, do you want questions dotted throughout, or do you prefer them uh, you can have You can have, have a bit of both. If they go on too long, I'll, I'll stop you, but I'm, and I may well be going to answer them at, at the, towards oh, okay, the end. Sure. Well, so, 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 so what, you know, you tell oh, me. It was just, it seemed that time to ask about commitment. I've yeah. seen basically about, uh, obviously the pastor needs to be committed to uh, the process. Um, uh, but I've heard, you know, how do you survive it? I've heard stats about um, you know the retirement rates from a particular ministry after a big building project. You know the stats on so many rectors raise up. You know they do a big building project, and even if it's successful, within 18 months, some very large number of them are so knackered by the process that they end up going to another and that's absolutely is that right? And, and how do you avoid that? How do you survive? Well, there is a great truth, and I think it depends on when you when you're going to do it. Okay. Um, See. So you're, you're making me feel guilty because four years after I did it, I retired. It wasn't 18 months. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't 18 months. <laughs> uh, but our, it, it, our process took about 10 years. Now, and right. that, that's part of the problem with these things. A lot of places are landlocked. Mm. You know, I, I know, and, and therefore to unlandlock yourself is an enormous amount. So in, in our process... We needed to spend four to five million dollars. We couldn't do it in stages. I mean, the first stage was the four million dollar stage. It wasn't the one million dollar stage. So I used to say to my wife, "It's like I'm crawling up Mount Everest, you know, and it will never ever get there, you know." But it does marvels for your prayer life. <laughs> and if you can do these things when you're younger, um, you know, you've got the juice to do it. When you start doing it, uh, when you're older, you don't quite have as much juice. But uh, I mean, I've seen guys who have just kept on doing it. But any, but <laughs> this is a broader question about ministry. Anything that you do that's often really, really, you know, that that breaks your ministry out of the normal will cost you. 
Uh, I remember one of my American friends told me that <coughs> there are two um, fundamental laws of growing churches. The first one is the minister must want the church to grow and be prepared to pay the price. And the second one is the congregation must want the church to grow and be prepared to pay the price. There's always a price. And you look at Paul's letters, you know, he paid a price. You know, <laughs> shipwrecked, beaten, whacked, all the rest of it. So at one level, you um, can have a sort of a comfortable life like that guy in Grantchester who floats around, you know, and, and just sits around in Cambridge and waffles around and solves murders and has a gay curate and all of that sort of stuff. Uh, and just life goes on. But if you want things to move forward in any area, whether it's building buildings or whatever it is, you've got to push yourself a little bit outside your comfort zone. It comes, goes with the territory to a certain extent. And I, I think that's in ministry. Uh, you, you said building buildings is a young man's game. What's the age cut-off? <laughs> well, I mean... <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I didn't know any of this stuff until I was about 50, right? That, that, that's, a, that's a problem. We didn't, I didn't get trained in any of this. I just found it out. Uh, and so I was really starting to do... Um, I went to Fig Tree in 1988 and... Um, I immediately saw, even though they just built a new building, uh, I saw immediately it was lousy. Uh, they, but they were very proud of it. So we spent about 10 years fixing it all up and paying it off, and, and, and all in my mind, planning the next one, because I knew it had to happen. But there were, it was just such a complicated process, you know, uh, difficult land to build on, complicated architectural things, architectural panels that turned it down. Oh, you get... I, I could just, you know, don't start me. So, but it just took years and years and years and years. And uh, we finally got out the other side, and I know, understand why the Bible's all about perseverance, perseverance in the faith. And my greatest, my greatest verse was, and there, there was a verse in 1 Kings, and after 13 years they, did, they built the building. I'm saying, yes, yes, I know what you're talking about, 13 years. <laughs> anyway, I'll keep on going, because I could, I could easily get carried away. It takes courage, it takes confidence. So you've got to know what you're going to do and you, you, you've got to get out there and do it and it takes a certain amount of wisdom because there will be all sorts of roadblocks put up along the way. There will be 101 reasons why you shouldn't do it. Um, normally by people who want the church to be the little comfortable place because if you build a building, uh, you're, going to, you're just going to change the space of the church. You're going to change everything about it. It'll be a different sort of church and there'll be people there who, yes, they say they love Jesus, but they love Jesus in, that, in their terms, uh, in their way. And they don't want the church to grow because that will mean you, you'll mean new staff and it'll mean this, it'll be that. It won't be the church they've had. And it takes wisdom to get through all of that. Okay. Um, uh, I won't go... Oh, I've got another slide there from Willow Creek, but I will leave that one. Um, I've got too many slides. What I'm, what I'm proposing is that there is a, there is a campaign to actually raise the money. The key thing about raising money is to ask for it. Actually, you've got to ask for it. You've got to say to people, give us some money. You know, in the Jerry Maguire term, show me the money. Uh, and you, So you've got to know how to ask gracefully and graciously. And we held a, a commitment, a, 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 what we called a time to build campaign. Now, I stole it from Rick Warren, and I'll tell you where to get the stuff later on. Uh, I will steal from anybody. Um, even the Baptists, especially the Baptists. Um, but if you're going to do this, and supposing you want to raise, raise 
significant amounts of money for, a, for some sort of building process. You really can't decide to do it and do it next month, right? What I would be hoping you might be doing is coming here today and getting the know-how so you can, in a year to 18 months' time, do it. Because, it, you know, you just, it needs a lot of background planning. Because, and I'll show you why, because there's just a lot of organisation needs to have happen in the background. So in that tw beforehand, and when I'm saying time frame before, if you're saying this is the day we're going to ask people to bring their, bring their money in and cash on table and their pledges, for the 12 to 18 months beforehand, these are the things you've got to be doing. <clears throat> uh, you, you're, you're planning, you're casting vision, you're thinking about the sermon series because there will be a sermon series that goes with this. You're thinking about building teams. You're thinking about getting the agreement of the elders or parish council or whatever it is in your situation. Um, um, so all of that is happening beforehand. I'll flesh a little bit more about that. Anyway, it's all in the book. Um, uh, three months before, uh, and I'm thinking, we did ours for historic fig tree Anglican reasons. We did ours in November. It doesn't have to be done in November. When I'm thinking about having my campaign, I'm always thinking... So if I slip and say in November or October or that, that'll be just because that's, that's my time frame. But three months before, you have a preliminary launch. You have a church service where you, you then you get up and you cast vision. You say, in three months' time, we're going to ask you to do something. All right? uh, uh, again, your vision casting... And you're preparing media and promotional materials in this time because you've act and I'll show you some of those. But, but you're going to be having to give out literature about it, brochures about it, and making videos about it. And I'll show you an example of the videos. <clears throat> um, six weeks beforehand, uh, you're starting special services on it. I, it's normally a six-week process when we did it, and I had a six-week preaching series leading up to the day when we said. Today's the day you bring your pledges in. <clears throat> and so in, in that six weeks, we had a preaching series, we had visitation, we, uh, we had whole church and announcements to the whole church. Um, about a week to two weeks before, we had a vision dinner, we had special prayer events. Uh, and on the commitment day itself, we asked people to bring their offertories in <clears throat> and we asked them to bring three-year pledges. That was the way we did it, Okay. Uh, the, um, you go to Brian Houston's place, they normally do their thing at the end of the financial year and it's a big hit on one day. And Brian's got some other things that goes on behind that, but we can talk about that later. But, <clears throat> okay, but that's, that's your time frame. If you decide you will skip that, you will fail, right? Because it, you, just need, you just need a lot of time to commit to get people to understand why they should be doing this and why they're going to be giving the biggest amount of money they've given in all their life, okay? And, and that just takes time and discussion and prayer and planning and vision and all of that. <clears throat> now, um, during the campaign period, all right, so I've, I've given you the broad overview of what's happening before you, you, you start about 12 to 18 months and this is the day. Go back now to, to, six to four to six weeks. You've got a visionary preaching series where you're preaching to raise faith and or um, raise vision, to, uh, to, uh, two things. You will have testimonies, not testimonies about um, how much people are going to give, 
some of the campaigns in, in America did that when they would ask uh, Philip to say, you know, here, yeah, Philip, I understand the Lord's been blessing you, or you get up and say that you're going to be giving 50,000 bucks, and Philip gets up and does that. <laughs> and so I say, then, Mike, hey, Mike, can you get up, and how much are you going to give? We didn't, we didn't go down that path. Uh, uh, we, we far more went down the King David-type path. <clears throat> um, you've got to sh- show the multimedia in services. I would suggest that you clear your calendar. When I had um, campaigns to raise dollars, even just for the general a- average dollars, I didn't do other things. This was important. Uh, not so much because of the money, because this is the classic way you can move your church forward and stretch them into faith and vision. Now, the money, the money is a side product of that. <clears throat> so I didn't let the staff do anything, uh, have other, other stuff going on. I didn't put weddings on and let them get married somewhere else or some other time. I made a mistake one time and I was in the middle of it and I said, okay, yes, somebody wanted to get married and there was a particular reason why they had to be married and I agreed to do it and it was in the middle of this and I was absolutely snowed under with a million and one things uh, to do with this and um, by the end of the time I just was dead. You know, I just thought never again. I used to say to the staff, during the commitment series, we will not be advertising other things that don't build into this series. So don't put the camps on then. Don't do the men's ministries camp on then. Don't do X, Y, and Z. Because this is fa- after that, fine. But just this is where you keep on doing that one thing. <clears throat> you distribute the promotional material. You announce advanced gifts. I'll talk a bit about that. And you actually have the commitment service itself, which is needs to be carefully planned and prayed over. <clears throat> And we will uh, any of these points I can come back to, and you can ask. All right. Uh, I, I keep forgetting to switch it on. All right. Afterwards, after you've done it, so you've, you've raised the money. All right. One to three weeks afterwards, you're doing post-commitment day notices because not everybody's been able to give their money in yet. So you're still casting vision. You're thanking the people that have already given. You're telling them when you're going to make the announcements, all of that sort of stuff. So that's got to be constantly before them, giving people the opportunity. You may not have been here yet, but make the treasurer's joy complete by having the same love as everybody else did, you know? And you do that for a couple of weeks. Uh, Then a a couple of weeks later on, it it just depends on your particular church, but the money dribbles in over a number of weeks. Uh, You have an announcement of the amount and you have a big celebratory service where you're thanking God and thanking the people. Um, Then you have got thank you material. I used to write every year. um, I didn't do a building project every year, but I did a, a, a raising of resources every year. I used to write... Um, thank you letters to everybody. Uh, if they'd given money, it was a special, it was one sort of letter. If they hadn't given money, it was a more general letter thanking them for their commitment to the church. Uh, but I used to, I'm a cricket fan, so I used to sit in front of the first test with about a thousand letters and I'd write, and I'd sign them all and I'd write little notes on them. <clears throat> and I'd take a day out and I could think if they're going to give me, uh, as at Fig Tree they did, they pledged gave and pledged the first year $1.8 million, we did it. I thought, if they can give me $1.8 million, I can sit down for a day and write thank you letters to them. Uh, And so in the mid-year, half a year later, further thank you materials. At the one and two-year anniversary, 
again, cast the vision, thank the people, ask them to keep giving. You know, so you've got to keep the, keep the process going. <clears throat> when the three years is up, fantastic celebration. And you might have to do it all again. We had to do things three times because our, our project was so darn big. It was enormous. Um, now, it's really, really important to make videos about this because you want to cast vision, you cast it through video. Uh, we made them at Fig Tree, and because I've shown the Fig Tree vi video around the Praps from time to time, I'm giving you one from another church. Uh, um, and this is a, this will go for a while, but I just want you to have a look. At, and while you're watching it, just make some notes about what you think the senior minister is doing in the video. What's he, what's he doing there? What, what are the elements of it? It goes for about 10 minutes, but it's really worth watching. Okay, um, our time is moving on, but what did you see in that? Could we have the lights on again, please? What, you know, just, just a few things. What, what did you see in it? Every, every ministry area was tying the opportunities that New Building brings to the vision they have. For Absolutely, the yep. Then realistic out for some like, actual outcomes that mm. you be able to do. You could do that. When we did it as well, we had a... Um, uh, we had a, we did have that sort of stuff, and we had some of the leading elders talking talking into it as well to, to validate it. In fact, he might have as well. I, I didn't know exactly which one of those were staff and which one were elders. Yep. Uh, set in the context of history to show people that this was the first time they'd done it. This was just part of a wider process, showing them this is just what we do here, and we always have. That's right. Honouring the past is absolutely cru crucial. Um, yeah. Anything else? had a very clear plan in terms of it's not just, oh, we might do this, but it's going to do this yep. and help the visual thinkers as well as the, to be able to see exactly what it'll look like. And, That's right. Yeah, it's got a clear, clear vision. That's where you've got to take um, lead time on these things because doing that takes a while, you know, uh, you know just, just figuring out how to do it and what you want. Anything else? <clears throat> Uh, we know. Yeah, go on. Quickly answered questions, so it's going to have. It's going to be all flat. It's going to have air conditioning. Yep. Just very quick things, but with someone who's wondering, oh, they thought of this. And, yep. And you can notice they had a walkthrough. You know, the the, the, the what is it, a three D sort of situation, so people could actually start to visualise it and see it. But um, that was that was pretty good. Uh, and if you if you. <laughs> I, I now collect these sort of things. I mean, every I'm at a church and they do one, I ask the senior pastor if I can have it, and um, I know that guy pretty well, and uh, and so I was able to get his. But I've got another thing to show you if I've got time a little bit later on. So let me let me move on because I want to want to sort of finish around about three, and so we can toss things around a little bit. Um, you've got to have multifaceted communication. It's not just a matter of telling them once. You've got to tell them in a billion ways. You tell them one-on-one, -on -one, all right? You're taking your leading elders and key players out to lunch and sharing the vision with them. Not necessarily asking them to give money at that stage. You're just sharing where their heart is uh, in small groups. Small groups is really important. Vision Sundays every year, you're telling them where the church is going and who's getting saved and why we're doing it. Um, Sunday notices can be visionary notices. Um, uh, let me Let me just say... Give your notices in terms of the vision of the church. If you can't, maybe they shouldn't be there. But to give you a rough idea, the Sunday school picnic is on next week down at so-and-so park. That's a notice. 
what we do here is we love kids because we want to see kids come to know Jesus. And we want to have them taught in Sunday school and we want to have them a wonderful time. And because we want them to have a wonderful time, we're going to take them to a park next week. Okay? And we're going to do X, Y, and Z. Doesn't take, you know, it doesn't take rocket science, but you can put almost anything you want. You know, from the Mother's Union announcement, you can put into, you know, we love seniors. We love women. You know, you, you put into, um, into visionary terms. As I said, I suspect that if you can't put into visionary terms, then drop the notice. Uh, um, you need slogans, symbols, songs, banners that, that proclaim the vision and what you're trying to do. You need multimedia like we've seen there. You need brochures. Uh, we had an every member visitation. Uh, um, we didn't ask for money on the every member visitation but we cast vision on the every mem member visitation and every and and the visitors took a message from me that was played on a in those days it was on a cassette player uh, you'd now stick stick it into a into something else to do but you, you, you're just keeping on multiplying it and we used to have every year and we certainly would have in this a vision dinner or a number of vision dinners where I got up and made a big vision speech in which we talked about where the church was going and how they could assist it but I didn't actually ask for money at any of these stages, and the money was asked for for on this commitment day. <clears throat> now, financial leadership. Um, the, most um, uh, the, the senior minister uh, must make, <laughs> firstly, an inspirational commitment. I followed King David, and I got up and I told the people exactly how much I was going to give. Um, in fact, I went up to the local Church of Christ minister who was up the road who'd had a lot of experience in this. He ran a very big church. And I said to him, you know, if I was to go to a professional and to ask them what I should be doing, what would he tell me? And he looked me in the eye and he said, Rod, the first thing they would say to you is you must make an inspirational commitment. I went to jelly. You know, I went home and I thought and prayed about it for three weeks because foolishly I thought to myself, you know, it's the heavy hitters in the congregation are going to pony up for this. I'll give, but I won't be, you know, I won't have to bleed. Friends, you've got to bleed. Uh, but God is no man's debtor. I've never known anybody that's done this who hasn't come back and told me that somehow they uh, they just haven't missed it. It is, it is quite astonishing. Um, uh, yes? Sorry, just on that. When you said how much you were going to give, mm. did you give? Did you tell people an actual? Dollar I told figure? them. I told them an actual dollar figure. Not just the percentage. Not giving. Some you're giving ten percent or twenty. Percent some some do. Highballs gave. I'll tell them a percentage. Uh, I I follow. I, mean, I must confess. I followed Rick Warren, who followed King David. Okay, <laughs> and uh, it was really interesting because my my very. A long-term associate, um, Bruce Clark, who's now the rector of Manly, great guy. He came out of the church when I'd, when I'd done this and the most generous benefactor of the church was walking out with him. And the, and the generous benefactor said to Bruce, I thought this was a high jump. He just made it a pole vault. That was exactly what, what you, you know, you need to inspire people to, to give... Because they, 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 they don't know, you know. They, they, they're thinking, oh, you know, 
do I give 300 to this? Do I give 3,000? Do I give 30,000? They've they got to know that it's, this is serious dollars. Okay, so yeah, and 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 that just uh, and I know you, I, I I could answer questions on right hands and left hands and all the rest of it. I know you're going to ask me that, but but I just we just followed King David. Yes. Can I ask a question. Um, something that bugs me is that kind of we're in a culture that doesn't like talking about money in concrete terms. We're, like, yes. we're kind of okay talking about principles of generosity and kind of sacrificial giving, but when it comes to concrete percentages and dollars and cents, people get really uncomfortable. So how did you... you I, I, I firmly right. believe that that's a really right. good way to show what, leadership in it. But what, what, I, what I did was say something like this. I said, look, um, I, I am under God, I am the leader of this congregation. And as the leader of this congregation, I have got to make a lead. Uh, um, and therefore, I'm going, to, I'm going to announce my amount like King David did. I, uh, I don't necessarily... This is not something I'm thrilled with doing. Please don't write letters to me telling me I'm an evil person or something like this. And the day I am not the rector of Fig Tree is the day I will stop doing it. <laughs> so you've just got me to do it for the first time in the last eight years. Uh, and, and now I would, I would never do it. And I didn't ask any of my other congregational members to do it. But I said, what I'm asking you to do, I want you to do, uh, I'm not asking you to do anything I'm not prepared to do myself. Uh, and it's for only for this reason that I believe that, I believe that scripturally, as the leader, I've got to step up and take the lead. Now, the elders, the, what, the parish council and the staff, we announced their collective amount. They all put their collective amounts into me. And on, on the, the week before I was raising it, you know, so I, because I've got, to, I've got to inspire the congregation. I gave my amount, and then I also announced the amount that the uh, elders and the staff and certain advanced gift givers gave. That was also to inspire everybody else. Did you get any pushback on that? Uh, well, and... not on this. Uh, the very first time I raised money for... for uh, in this broad fashion, see, we used to have a commitment day every year. This was just a super big, a mega one. The very first year we did it, yeah, I got some uh, some pushback. However, let me let me say to you, the givers never give you any flack. It's the non-givers that give you flack. Okay, that that's um, there. Yeah, uh, that that's the honest truth. Nine times out of ten, the people who find all sorts of reasons why this is a problem are the ones who aren't giving much. Now, there may be, there may be exceptions to that. I understand that. You know, I understand there may be, but they are exceptions. That's true. And and so, so the, the, the answer to all of that is love the people, turn the other cheek, never lose your cool, Never ventilate out over the whole congregation uh, and, and understand that sometimes it takes them a little bit of time to get, to get over that, uh, to, to, you know, to get around this. Be, and there could be all sorts of reasons. They could have been ripped off by some screwy pastor 15 years ago. So you could be pressing a button that you don't understand. So I used to just thank everybody, keep loving them, uh, and, and but... But if we were, con we were th believing that this was the right way to go, we just went, went it and did it. And nine time, 19 times out of 20, everybody's with you. And in fact, they're, they're excited about it. That's the funny thing. They get, they get very excited. People want their church to be good. 
They want their church to grow. They want to see great kids' ministries. They want to see people getting saved. And if you're out there leading the charge, they'll follow you. Okay. Um, all right. Multifaceted communication. All right. Funny. You may. Uh, those, that was once every three years. It's a three-year pledge. This was a three-year pledge, yes. And it's in addition to here's my annual giving to yeah. the regular budget. Yeah, I... Um, when I did this one, we didn't ask for the regular budget on that yeah. year, right? Um, but uh, but we, 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 had a, we had a commitment series again. It's in the book yeah. every year. This was your super mega big one that took a lot more effort. Mm-hmm. And because our project was so big, mm-hmm. right, we, I had to do it twice. And then we, had a, we raised a foundation. Mm-hmm. And nine, eight or nine years later, they're just about to finish it off. But it was, m- was enormous. So that figure was split over three years. So including all the inspirational figures you shared with the congregation was a, My f- a total of three years. Yes. Or are you talking the ones off up front? Well, no. So a commitment over right. three years. I think, I, think when, I think what happened at Fig Tree, if I can remember correctly, and I'm probably jumping ahead of the thing, I think we probably got $500,000 given on the day. By the, by, yes. and, but, uh, but we got another $1.3 million pledged over the next yep. uh, three years. When, it, when, you, when the three years was up, about $1.5 or $1.6 million had come in. Yep. Okay, so that was your drop-off rate. And what I was told by my Church of Christ friend was the big dollars don't drop off, it's the little ones that do. So if the person who's giving, you know, is giving fifty dollars to $100,000, you know, they'll put it in. It's the people who pledge... $500 often they forget about it so but you don't forget your big stuff alright let me quickly go through these congregational leadership as I've said then the general congregation and they make that oh again I keep forgetting to, to do this alright so that's it's on, it's on your sheet anyway uh, this guy's got bloopers and I, I, I haven't got time to do that you need printed information to go out an explanatory brochure covering envelope I don't know why I've got to explain to brochure twice. That's just my eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, response card, but you need to put stuff in people's hands, um, and and and, they're, and it's a big colour brochure. You know, it's something that. And again, it takes time to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I used, to, I just, I, um, I just collected a lot of them. I just used to go around every church I could find that had one of these, and I'd steal their brochure and I'd go and take it to my people and say, "We can do better than that, or we can do worse than that." But um, I'm, I'm an inveterate stealer. I believe that's absolutely correct in Christian ministry. Um, what you need in personnel, you need the senior minister. He can't be AWOL on this. Uh, you need a campaign coordinator. You, you know, because you're, as the senior minister, you're out there casting vision. You need somebody who's got great administrative, um, uh, you know, project gifts behind you, telling you where you need to be and pulling the whole thing. Otherwise, you will go mad. You will go mad. <laughs> and I had a wonderful, wonderful lady as my administrator. And basically she'd say to me, Rod, you need to be over there making a speech to those people today. Um, you know, they, uh, off you go, you know. We, we talked a lot about it, but she made the mechanics of it work. And I got up and I did my leadership thing. Um, uh, you need key coordinators to following teams. You need a prayer team. Right? You need a visitation team. You need an administration team. Uh, you need a publicity team. You need a media team. You need a team for a, ce- for a celebration service. 
You know, you've got to run a great service at the end. You need the vision dinner team. You need a youth and children's team. And, uh, and so all of those things need, you know, you need coordinators of that who will be good enough to go out and raise teams to do it. You might want to say, what will they do? Well, I'll tell you a bit more about that in a minute. Uh, hang on. Um, uh, now, here is the sort of things you preach on. You don't preach on money six weeks in a row. You are preaching to cast vision and raise faith. Okay? So um, we, did, we did one of our series was called Imagine. Imagine a church. Because, we don't, we, because remember, we're raising money for a building, but I want to be saying the church is not a building. It, it's, it's other things as well. So we, we did, and I stole this from a church in Indianapolis. I just happened to be visiting them with John Gray, the rector of um, St Paul's Castle Hill, and they just finished doing a building campaign, and they just had a, a series called Imagine, and I walked into the office and I took all their stuff and I took it home and, and um, recast into our team. But imagine a church that loves Jesus. Imagine a church that loves the lost. Imagine a church that loves the brokenhearted. Imagine a church that loves one another. Imagine a church for all generations. That's your legacy one. Imagine a church with a generous heart. Uh, and so you, you've, you, you're, you're building to raise people's understanding of what the church is going to be. Uh, very first time we ever did a commitment series, uh, it was not for, for buildings, but, but my colleague... Uh, St Matthew's, who's now at St Matthew's Manly, Bruce Clark, he recommended this one. And um, I actually, no, no, he recommended the process. No, this one wasn't Bruce's. Bruce gave another one. This, this is basically Rick Warren's one. This is what he preached on. He preached on faith and hope and love and generosity and thanksgiving and joy, you see. You're not preaching six sermons on money. That'll drive people nuts. You're preaching six sermons to raise people's hearts to love God more and want to get out there and serve him. So you can preach on raising people's faith. You can reach, preach on the church. You can preach on the vision for, of reaching people for God. But it's in that sort of terms. And normally one of them is on where they're standing with their wallet. And that one's normally done the week before you're actually asking people to give. That was the one. If I was preaching, if I was asking people to actually bring their money in on week six, I'd preach that one on week five. And you can do some of those. You can do them topically, or the wonderful thing is you can do them expositorily. Uh, you can, you know, we did a terrific series on Philippians. Uh, we did a series on the, the prodigal on the prodigal son and a few other topics around there. So you can you can combine them both. Uh, and if you, if you um, and I, you know, I've done both. I've done topical series and I've done uh, our expository series. Uh, and it, the best ones, if I could find, are the ones where I can combine them both and you know do together. So you, you can do them on the Proverbs, you can do them on the Psalms, you can do them on Exodus. There's so much. There's so much good stuff. Um, okay. Uh, does, you have to, does the senior minister have to preach all? I preached pretty much all of them. Uh, I used to have. Um, Occasional. Well, I, I, had a, I had a very, very able senior associate, and he pr used to preach in the series. Um, but because I, because I was the leader, I wanted to do it in the evening. I would preach as well. Uh, but again, I had a very, very able um, young adults minister, and he would do some of them. But broadly, I was the man. <laughs> had to be. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm just trying to. <laughs> I'll just tell you a funny story. I was leaving um, the end of 2007 
and my long-term associate I thought was going to be the senior minister, and I thought he was going to take over. As it turned out, he, he disappeared off to another... He went off to another place. But one of the things I gave him was, because I'd been doing commitment-type series for 10 years, <coughs> I said, OK, you can work... The, you can do the next one, OK? You can do the next one. You can, the last one. I'm, I'm going to be gone a couple of months after that, so th this, this baby is yours. You know, give you the opportunity to just rock and roll as the, ever, the way you like. <coughs> so he put it all together. It was great, and I'm sitting back there, you know, I'm going in a couple of months, and he came to me about six weeks before the end of the time, and he said, Rod, he said... He said, look, I'm prepared, to have, I'm prepared to do this, but he said, the money one really needs to be done by the senior minister, doesn't it? He said, I'm not the senior minister, you are. He said, would you do the money one? And I said, okay. I said, I'll do the money one. And he prepared this wonderful series on 1 Timothy. And of course, there's fantastic money stuff in 1 Timothy 6. And I thought, okay, I'll do this. I'm going to give this one last go. And I got up before the congregation and I said to them, I said to them, as you know, I'll be going in a couple of weeks. So this is the very last time I'm going to be speaking to you about giving generously to God's work. And I'm going to give it my absolute best shot. So let's go. And they all laughed and we, we went on and did um, But yeah, it was, was great. It was, I'm still very pleased I did, did that message. Okay. Um, how much do you expect? This is the thing. People don't know how much they're going to get. Now, it's not a magic formula. It presupposes a healthy, united church, but you can expect order of magnitude, um, something like two to three times last, last year's annual income. So if your church has got an income of, of $200,000, okay, don't think you're going to get a million, short of a miracle. All right? But you can, you can, you can could reasonably expect... Uh, apart from what they're going to give to the ministry, somewhere between two and three hundred thousand dollars, if you did it well, you might get a little bit less if you do it poorly, and you might get a little bit more if you do it very well, and if there is a particular significant donor. And uh, um, so, to give you an example, when Fig Tree did it, as I said, we probably got given on the day, given and pledged one point eight million dollars. Our offertories the year before had been about six hundred and ninety thousand dollars. Okay, so you're roughly in the two, and we got, and we got about one point five million dollars in. So we're in that sort of ballpark. We didn't have huge big givers. Um, we didn't have we didn't have a congregate. Our congregation was full of um, school teachers, computer operators, that sort of thing. We didn't have too many doctors, lawyers, and and the mega bucks people. So that was our demographic. Yeah, we were in Mortgage Valley, yes, Mortgage Mountain. Yes, we had uh, the, uh, what we called Cordo Heights was um, all, all full of these whopping great big boxes and all that sort of stuff. Yes. Yeah, so um, we, we were in suburban Wollongong. Um, uh, yes? So what was your congregation size? My congregation size, oh, gee... I can. I don't know what it was then. I mean, I'm that, that, we did it. We. It would have been of the order if you'd have added up the three. It, probably of the order of about if you added up the kids of about nine hundred dollars, nine hundred kids, nine hundred people. On, on a, a, going through the going through the place on a Sunday, and you can normally double that because people only come once every couple of weeks. So on the books, we might have had getting up for two thousand. 
I think the biggest, church, biggest time the church ever hit, we were hitting round about the thousand if you counted everybody. Can I ask a question in terms of big donors who may be from outside the church? And how do you manage that in terms of... I, I worry that, because in my church at the moment, it's two years on, we've got lots of external funding. I worry that my church will become welfare dependent and assume that there's always going to be someone from outside the church who's going to pick up the tab. Or, and so even when we get to the point where we want to make a big investment in a property, kind of how do you manage the... We need to own this ourselves, even if some wealthy person from the other side of the Tasman can come and... Um, my suspicion is that the whole process has got to keep on going and you use the wealthy person to fund the cream. You know, you, um, I mean, I, a friend of mine had a, a situation where his church had massive shops and they were paying rents and those shops have got to be completely renovated and so, that, so they had to be weaned off the rents. But the thing is, the other point is, while, while they've got those rents, they don't give, you see. Uh, so you've, all, you've always got to keep enough money in the bank to be responsible, but if you've got a couple of million bucks in the bank, don't expect people to give you any money because they're not going to, they're, you know. Yeah, I guess so, in terms of the process of asking a church to step up to the plate for something quite significant, yeah. um, is there a way to manage the kind of, do you hold off on announcing that kind of Joe Bloggs has given kind of a third of what we're asking for? Mm. Yeah, in terms of. Oh well, it, 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 look, it, it, I'm going to uh, I'm going to come to come to that off, but um, generally churches need some heavy hitter on these campaigns, and the 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 bigger the the bigger the campaign, the bigger a heavy hitter, whether it's inside or outside the. Co- I, I'm I'm struggling with your question because I, I never I never had the outside person. Yeah, yeah I'm right? wondering how do you how do you the church from expecting that the heavy hit is going to get it all the way. Well, I guess the thing is you, you've, got, you've just got to keep, keep talking about uh, growing up and being resourceful for ourselves, giving thanks for this person, uh, but also saying we've got to own this because it, it, it's all about us. He's helping, but he's not going to help us forever. Yeah. And, and just got to keep on giving that vision. And, and, and putting generosity as, as a value that your congregation loves. Can I ask the inverse question, and maybe you'll get to it in the deep pocket donors. Mm. Is it possible to do this sort of thing without at least one heavy hitter in your church? What happens if you can sell all your mums and dads on the vision, and they'll give sacrificially, mm. but your dozen millionaires, for whatever reason, are not <coughs> Well, we didn't have any. We didn't have those sort of people. Okay, uh, it just helps if you've got them. And uh, um, I mean, we had we had a couple of people who gave generously in the hundred thousand dollar mark, but we didn't have anybody that gave in the five hundred thousand dollar mark or anything like that, because we were a middle middle class church. Um, so, uh, and I, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with a hundred thousand dollar nation. I can, I can assure you, I'm very <laughs> grateful for that. But. But we didn't have anybody that was in the, in the massive end of town. Whereas, you know, you go to the eastern suburbs of Sydney and there will be people who can give that sort of money. Now, they're not going to give it necessarily to you. You've got to really inspire them. You know, again, I always love that Maxwell quote. You want a million dollars? Give somebody a million dollar vision. Want $10 million? It's got to be, a 10, it's got to be something that, <coughs> that really grips their imagination <coughs> and, and got, they trust you to carry it through. But, yeah, we didn't have those sort of people. Okay, um, how, so um, 
So therefore people, because you're not exactly sure what you're going to have, people generally have multiple goals. <clears throat> you know, you're trying to have a, a miracle goal and a challenge goal and a victory goal and all of those sort of things. So, you know, so you're looking, you're, you're dealing with those, those sort of situations because anything is good. You know, you're going to get probably more money than you would have if you didn't ask. Um, now, the, as I said, the difference is going to be if you can get people that have got really, really serious money. Um, now, we're not talking about using them, okay? The way in which you, you get their assistance, and I'm talking about those in the congregation... Uh, I went to a conference oh, about 20 years ago, and it was given by one of the speakers was a very, very wealthy uh, bloke who'd made about oh, made a squillion dollars, and by the time he was 40, and then go, and then then went and worked for Hillsong. I don't know what he as some sort of manager of some of their empires, and he was talking, and he drew. It was I never forget this. He drew a picture on the board of a businessman with a bag of money and a briefcase. Okay. <coughs> And then he drew us a ring around the bag of money. And he said, all you pastors want that, don't you? You all want it. You all want to get it. And he said, and we know you want to get it. He said, well, how do you do it? And what he said I thought was completely right. He rubbed out the ring around the bag of money and he put a ring around the whole person. He said, you minister to him. In, on an ongoing f way, you know, day in, you know, over the years, you minister to him, you build him up, you help make him fruitful and godly. When the time comes, then you ask him. But you've got a relationship. You're not just interested in him just for that. So for me, I started a businessman's group. I started meeting in my home. And I used to take out business people every pretty much three or four times a week for lunch. I just take them out for lunch. Never asked them for money. I would always try and, to use the Pentecostal words, sow into their lives. I love that terminology. <laughs> but I take them. I take them tapes. I take them gospel things. I take them business things, uh, and I'd ask them about their family and I pray for them and all of that. So I was doing this ongoing all this, the time. This guy's in your church. Yes, in, in my church. I, I didn't go for people outside. Uh, you know, I, I heard once that. Uh, Schuller asked Frank Sinatra for a million dollars and maybe Frank gave it to him for, his, for a guilt thing. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know whether that's true, but I heard that, that particular story. But, but the difference is, you know, in, in an ordinary campaign, um, the Pareto principle works. 20% gives 80% gives of the money. But here, 1%, according to John Maxwell, can give 35% because they're the only people who've got the capacity to give the big dollars. You see, even if, I'm, even if I really, 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 really want to support your campaign, I can't give you half a million dollars. I just can't do it. But there'll be some people who could. And they, they, they put that down on the table. You're in business. And um, there's a great book that Al Stewart gave me, gave me a copy called Gospel Patrons, and just showed in you probably... And, and so there's nothing wrong with that. And, and Jesus had people who gave, you know, women who gave to him out of their own purse. It's a, it's not a, it's a, it's a good principle. <clears throat> Okay, um, you've got to learn how to ask these people graciously but definitely. I've written a chapter about it. Uh, all right, I'll leave that. Um, uh, I'll just leave the home group one. You've got to do that. Uh, look, I, I do want to say get help. Uh, don't just listen to me. 
Okay? Listen to anybody that's done anything on this. What I did, because I didn't know anybody that could help me, that I trusted, right? I wrote to America and I bought a Rick Warren Time to Build kit for $125 American. And whatever else you might think about our American cousins, that is just fantastic. And it will, you, you get a disc and it, it types out to about that much material and it will tell you exactly what you should do. Now, you don't have to take all of it, but it will give you all of Rick's sermons. And I think it's called, as was time to build, I think it's now called Build for Life. He must have helped zillions of churches raise money. Uh, and a church I'm very associated with recently, they came and asked me what to do. And I said, well, no, they're a very good church. I said, go on. Go and get the Baptist Church too, so I didn't have any great problem using Ricks. Mm. Uh, I said, go and go and um, get get your built to life church. The, one, the guy I showed you on the screen, he bought the kit, so that will actually give you all the details. I've got some of the details there, but that's what actually, literally, I did. Now, um, I want to show you one more video. Oh, look, yeah, this is a thank you video. I only wish I'd thought of that um, when I was at uh, Fig Tree. I mean, I, I only saw that a few weeks ago. That was taken a year after they'd raised their money. So that was, thank you for what we've done. <coughs> We're going to keep on going further. We've raised $4.5 We need another 500000 We want to raise a debt three. Look, look at all the things that God's doing in our place. Look at all these kids being converted. Um, help us do the rest. I just thought it was a brilliant piece of communication. Uh, I wasn't smart enough to think of doing a, a video like that a year on, but I just thought that was that was really good. Yep. What is the church? church is Gateway Baptist, and um, Where are they? yeah, hmm? Where are they? Uh, they're at Mackenzie, uh, and um, in Brisbane. And um, that guy is the guy there is a fabulous leader. He's only a young bloke, um, but he's done extraordinarily well, and. Uh, Got some of the, you know, get on the net and you've got some of the best giving talks I've ever heard. Um, you know, just tick all the bo every box. But he's a very genuine um, uh, and very, very, very good leader. Mm. Okay, we've, I've raced to a bit of that, but um, and I, I haven't shown all the slides for obvious reasons. But let's let's toss it around a bit. You want anything you'd like to ask? Um, yep. I feel like you've been casting a vision for a massive. Like a reasonably massive building project. Um, where we're at is we're two years into church planting and only six months after launching kind of a, it's a church of 65 people on a Sunday, we meet in a city in Wellington, New Zealand, where there's no green fields. Like it's, um, and we're trying to work out what, what a building looks like for us in that context. So I guess, do you have any wisdom about um, starting small leveraging off that to ratchet up over the years or well I guess <coughs> I guess it's I guess it's maybe I don't know, starting yeah. Well the the let me go back one then. Right at the end of your notes I've got the gateway vision process and I think you could probably use that. Yeah. This is this is for a very big church, but this would work I think for any church, I, I was I, I watched this process happen. Um, basically, the senior minister has some sort of idea. 
in their, in their heart of where they want the thing to go. It's not the final thing, but they're praying and they're asking the Lord to say, you know, where should I go? And you get a feeling about what you, what you personally might like. It, it's not the end of the game. You want to bring people in on board. Uh, what Jason did was have a six-week series on prayer. And in, during that, that six-week series on prayer, he's calling people to pray about where the church should be going. And during the series, he had these big things hanging up around the church in which people could actually go and write what, what they felt was on their heart for the church. So they had hundreds of these things. So you were getting the buy-in from all the people. Uh, it wasn't written on walls, but there were bits of paper on walls and bits of paper on boards and all sorts of stuff. So they had dozens of these things. Uh, then, um, so the congregation wrote those things down. All of those were taken down and analysed by the staff who put forward a bit of a, um, uh, a first draft that incorporated senior minister's vision, incorporated staff's input, incorporated elders' input, incorporated some of these things that they'd got off that. And they published that out to the church. Then they got everybody together on Wednesday on a, on a big couple of Wednesday nights and shared these with people. Then they sent everybody out to small group rooms with these bits of paper and asked them to talk about it and, and wrestle around with it a bit more and toss some more ideas. So those ideas were then fed into the, into the mix again. Uh, and finally, out of all of that, um, a final plan was formulated and presented. Yeah. Now, you're a smaller group. I guess I'm asking how do you go, like we're trying to go from absolute zero to hero. Like we've got, like we don't, like we're renting, like we've got nothing, we've got no building, we yeah. don't own a house, don't own nothing. Yep. Um, we had an expensive sound desk and... Well, the, well, the, the first thing is, the first thing is, is to get your core people around you and whoever else you've got, but basically your core are, are driving the thing, and to sort of say, where would you like to go and what are the steps you like to go into it? Yeah. And then you start taking those steps and you start, once you've got that, see, the, the issue is to have a vision that basically is a shared vision. Yeah. So the first thing is it doesn't matter whether you're starting, you know, you've only got a, did you say 60-odd people? Yeah. You know, okay, you, you, of that, you've probably got 20% of leaders, so you've got 12, 12 core, core there and about another 48 that are hanging around doing good things. Right, so you and those twelve, you get together, and you, you you dream and plan and pray about where it's going. You share it with the forty-eight. You get input back from the forty-eight. So once you've got this this broader plan for what you want to do, you try and break that up into steps, and then you start asking people. You say, okay, we've agreed on this. Let's give to it, and th then you hold the campaign. Right. Okay, that that would be the process I'd be doing, sure. but it's the shared vision. Yeah. And in one sense, it, it's, in one sense, it's easier when you're smaller because you can contact everybody a lot more easy. Yeah, yeah. Once you've got, once you've got, I mean, this church has um, got probably four thousand on the books, so it's got it's a multi-layered process going out through home groups and every group under the sun and all the ministries and everything like that. Yeah. Um, I guess the question I'm kind of trying to ask is, um, a lot of us are church planters who, um, like. The 70 of us meet, or 60 of us meet in a, a building that if we were to buy the building would be two or three million dollars. Yeah. Um, like that's just a bridge too far to raise. Um, so I'm asking kind of is there wisdom about how do you incrementally build up to that kind of 
well, that, that kind of figure. Obviously, we, we pray and plan and expect that our church will grow and proclaim the gospel. But um, is, is there, I guess I'm trying should to find you buy an office space space yeah, exactly. or should you buy a house yeah. to get into the property market? <coughs> you know, well, kind of short answer, um, and, I, and I don't know the specific answer. I do know that Rick Warren said he moved 58 times before he had his first building. And they just kept moving. They were, in, they, were, they were going to schools and they'd be kicked out of this school and they'd go to that one and they'd go to that warehouse. They'd yeah. be kicked out of I that one. Rick Warren, did he, was he raising money for a building while moving? No, they, the first, the, their first campaign was possess the land, right? So after about 15 years, they started to build their first bit of land. And then a, a stack of years later, they built their first building. And now they've built multi, multi, multi buildings. Yeah, okay. So I would, be, um, I would be thinking that then the first place is to get get facilities that you can be with on a rental scenario. and um, But again, without, th- th- this is a longer conversation probably yeah. than we've got here. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. Anyone else? Yes. What's your feel on uh, debt levels versus anything? <laughs> so, uh, you know, you raise, for example, 400000 bucks, have to borrow a million against that, or you can service the debt, etc. It, 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 it depends on whether it's responsible debt. Fig tree borrowed at the end of the day. We just had to do it to get into the get in, to, to, to get the final thing. It it had a two point five million dollar debt on it. Yeah, that's that's almost a fifty percent debt ratio. Um, that, that, but we were able to. Um, yeah, I mean, you've got to think in, in terms of these um, the debt levels in terms of how many houses it would buy in your area. Yeah. And people start to think about it in terms of houses. You know, they yeah. all understand housing mortgages and things yeah. like that. Um, and um, and say, uh, but you've also got to be able to say to yourself, oh, can we responsibly, can we responsibly service this? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there's good debt and there's bad debt. And you know, if if you can, you know, you, you're not you're not having debt to fund a staff member. You're having because you're having debt to put the bricks and mortar in for the big things. Um, Gateway's trying to do it basically debt free by the end of their time, yeah. um, and so that's why that's why he's pushing for this to get it done. Yeah. What about expectations <coughs> management? So you know this building's you know, at the start. You go, this building is going to cost us two million. We're trying to raise a million, or and then you know if you only raise five hundred thousand, are you doing the hey we can't do it unless we raise a million? Or what, what, and well, you <coughs> Uh, I, I don't want to damp your enthusiasm here, but I do remember John Maxwell saying, you do all your planning, you do all your praying, you do all your sums, and, 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 you, and you get your final figure and your final time frame, and it's going to cost you twice as much and take twice as long. Yeah, and, and honestly, that was exactly true for us. Um, yeah. You know, I just thought we had it all worked out, mm-hmm. and, uh, and it just took forever. Um, but, but no, I mean, the more you've got everybody on board with this process the easier it will be in that because everybody's got, you know, the in, your integrity in this process is absolutely critical. You, you know, you've got to actually have put uh, dollars in your piggy bank and when you come to these things, you take them all out again. But you're not making old items, I suppose, is my question. No, you're not... Unless you raise a million, this is not going to go ahead. Well, you, you can, well you, it's not, you, you, can, you can put these things in realistic terms, not ultimatum terms. Yes. You know, these, these, are, these, are the pr- these are the parameters we're working again. Yeah. I, I never, ever would try and give congregations 
Yeah, Australian congregations don't like ultimatums and, and things like that. And I, I'd be just saying, look, I want to be absolutely realistic about you. We've, we've talked to the financial institution. We've talked to this. These are the figures. If we, if we get to this, this figure, we go ahead. Not, you know, you're a bad person if you don't support my vision sort of thing. But the more collective you've got it and the more you've got your absolute core elders on board behind you, uh, then you're in business. Clarify your around three stages. Is that right? You had to do the three appeals for the one project. We did. Yes, that's that's normally not the way you do it. But yeah, so that was that a case that wasn't um, it wasn't planned that way from the beginning. You were you were hoping to achieve it in one year. Well, originally we thought we had a $2 million building, then it suddenly became a, a five, $5.5 million building. At what point did you discover that? So. Uh, sort of in the process of doing it. You, you would have had to see the, the building. at the, you would, it, it, the Anglican church at Fig Tree was messy in that they had a long, narrow site. And we, had to, we spent a couple of years just trying to figure out how to put a building on the site. So that took a lot of time. And... And then uh, within the Anglican Church, you had Anglican Church um, architecture panels. And so we put our plans in and they uh, tried to build a nice, inexpensive box-type building and we were told it looked like the back of Kmart. So they just put... They wouldn't, they wouldn't approve it. Wow. Uh, and then they wouldn't approve our finance uh, ways of doing it. And also, so we had a number of hurdles... However, having said that, I don't want to blame the diocese. They've got reasons for that because people do crazy stuff. You're always going to have hurdles. I heard, and I don't know exactly how true this, but I'm pretty sure I've heard the story that when Skyline, which was John Maxwell's church, was going to build, they, they've, they've got this wonderful piece of property and on it there was, it was a multi-acres thing and there was this little ecological zone where this swallow that flew from Canada down to Mexico every year just happened to, you know, happened to go every year and, and, and nest in, in this zone. And so all the eco people just went nuts. And so they took them ages to, to overcome that. So you're going to have some sort of problems. I just don't know what they're going to be in your case. No, I was just thinking, though, for you, um, was that how did the congregation cope? Like... So you, you raised how much? One point five first yeah. first time round. Um, was it was it after that that you had to sort of say to the congregation, "Look, we the numbers kind of changed a little bit." Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Uh, thanks for the the one point five, and we'll be asking again. Well, you know, a couple of a couple of things. I, I had to be, you know, that old commercial. It won't happen overnight, but it will happen. Yeah. Okay. So I had to do that sort of thing. We yes, yeah. yes. I, okay, you know, I had to keep on telling them that. Uh, secondly, I had the same group of wardens, Anglican speak elders. Are you Anglican? No. <coughs> okay. Um, all right. Understand. I'll still talk I to you anyway. Okay. <laughs> 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 I, I had the, the same three wardens all throughout a basically a five to ten year process. <coughs> they were guys of huge integrity that people knew and trusted. And so when they got up and said this is what's happening, this is why it's happening, they tended to trust us. Uh, I also remember I made a video at the time, a stupid thing, I never brought it with me, I was so annoyed. But we actually, um, when the building was going up, we actually 
got people to write names of their unsaved friends on a piece of paper and we buried them in a box underneath where the where the pulpit was going to be and prayed over it so we would do we would do things to keep people letting know that the, that the thing was moving on and so effectively as you're going through this anything you can celebrate along the way you celebrate so you've got this stage and that stage and you hold a little mini party um, and here's the man who taught me a lot about raising money for, for um, uh, you know, for big things. I mean, that was my first. You know, I didn't know anything. I used to just write what Al said after, you know. <laughs> so yeah, so that was that was so yes, constant celebration along the way. But uh, but as was very, uh, you know, uh, was was <laughs> was a challenge because the uh, the ideal is you have your three years, you've got your facility up. Your facility allows you to have more ministry, and more ministry brings more people, brings more dollars. Well, we didn't have more ministry. I just had less money. I just had to go out and, you know, and say, help, help, help. And, uh, and so it really, we didn't have the thing done, and I think until after the second set of requests. That, that was very scary. Yeah. So, so I guess what I'm saying too is that, um, and it might not come over this way, but absolute integrity with your congregation. You, you've got to do what you say you will do all the time. But they, if they start to think you're tricky or devious or flaky or in it for yourself, you're dead. <laughs>